0: Chapter 7 Of Mirth and Consequences The moment he heard the words succession to the throne Vandita decided that he would listen to the entire conversation What were these men about to discuss regarding the succession? What right did they have to do so anyway? No, his duty was clear He would have to do some eavesdropping himself and there was no better place for it than his current location. Alwar Kadian could go hang himself, who cared what became of him. Something was about to happen here. Something mysterious and is enough to ruffle the realm if possible. For quite some time now, Vandiya Tevan had been plagued by the niggling suspicion that the Kadambur palace was the nerve centre of strange happenings. Alwar Kadian's odd little speeches, the palace sentry's heavy handedness, Sambuvaraya's belligerent welcome, if indeed it could be called that, the Devaralan's frenzied call for sacrifice, all of these had sparked a discomfort in him that could not be alleviated. Now, here was a God-given opportunity to rid himself of conjectures and find out exactly what was happening. Why on earth would he waste it? Ah, not even his beloved Kandamaran could find it in himself to confide about the evening's activities. Here he was at this clandestine meeting having persuaded his friend to sleep in an isolated balcony. Bandhya Devan would be sure to give him a piece of his mind tomorrow. By this time Parve Tariya had begun to speak. The Vanar warrior concentrated on every word. My purpose in journeying here is to give you news of great import. It is also the reason for why Sambhuvaraya has gathered us all. King Sundaracharya's state of health is extremely precarious. I have made inquiries of the royal physicians. They are all decided in their opinion. There is not much hope. His days are numbered. Parve paused. It behooves us now to come to a decision on a future course of action. ''What do the astrologers say?'' came a voice from the midst of the gathering. ''Why consult them about this?'' put in someone else. ''Haven't we all seen a comet late at night for a while now?'' ''The astrologer's prognosis is merely to postpone the inevitable by a few weeks,'' answered Parve ''Whatever the outcome, it is upon us to decide the heir to the Chora throne.'' What would be the use of contemplating such a thing? Asked a hoarse voice. Aditya Karigalar was announced crown prince more than two years ago, was he not? True, but I should like to know which of us if any were consulted before such a preemptory decision was taken. All of us here have pledged body and soul to the Chora dynasty for more than 100 years. Our clans go back centuries and have been in service to the empire for more than four generations. My great grandfather sacrificed his life in the Tirupurambiam battle. My grandfather in the conflict at Velur, My father in the battle of Takkolam. Everyone here has lost a valued family member, our sons even, guarding this empire. Today The war raging in Iram has our youngsters standing shoulder to shoulder, destroying our force. And yet, none of us were asked for our opinions when it came to choosing the successor to the throne. You will recall that even King Dasaradar called for a council to choose the Crown Prince of Ayodhya. He sent for his ministers, commanders, aides, generals and feudal lords convened a Mandralosani and made sure their concerns were heard Sundarichwada Maharaja on the other hand may well not have asked for our advice it is true but our illustrious treasurer is not quite correct to presume that none were consulted after all Periyapirati the noble Sembian Mahadevi the Ilayapirati the honourable Kundavai Devi were both taken into confidence were they not? asked a faintly mocking voice can Parivet Terrier honestly claim now that Sundarachorar made an arbitrary decision about his heir? A wave of mirth flowed over the audience. Ah, oh, you laugh. How, how you can find it in yourself to be amused at this pathetic situation, I shall never quite understand. My heart burns. My blood boils. I am moved to wonder at the purpose of my pitiful existence on earth. The Devaralan demanded the sacrifice of a royal whose dynasty has flourished a thousand years. Do me a favour all of you and offer me up to Durga. My clan has made Shoranada its home for more than a thousand years. You may all cleave my head from my body with your swords. The Goddess is bound to be pleased with my blood and my soul will find some measure of peace. Terrier came to a stop finally, chest heaving, voice shaking with as much frenzied emotion as the possessed Devaralan that evening. Silence reigned for a while. The west wind whirred through the courtyard. Trees outside the fort swung madly in the stiff breeze. Their branches rustling and whispering against the fort walls. The king of Paluvur must pardon our thoughtless speeches and laughter. Ridicule was very far from our minds. Such was not our intention. You are our peerless leader and each one of us here is willing to deem your smallest wish our command. Supplicated Sambhuvaraya at his humblest. Yours is the right to lead us. Yours is the path we seek to follow. Pray accept our apologies my lord. I, I beg your pardon as well for having lost my temper. Do but listen. This time a hundred years ago, Vijayalaya Chodar reduced the Mutaraya dynasty to dust and captured Tanjavur. He ranged himself on the side of the Pallavas and destroyed the Pandyan armies in the Tirupurambiam battle. Ever since, the Chora empire has grown by leaps and bounds. I doubt if it possessed the territories it does today in the times of our great emperor Karigalar who raised the banks of the Kaveri. Today, our magnificent Samarajam stretches from the tip of the Kumari to the banks of the river Tungabhadra and Krishna. We have Pandya Nanjilnadu, Nanjil Nadi, Mandalam, Pagi Nadu, Gangai Padi, Nulambam Padi, Vaidumbar Nadu, Nadu, Padi, Kodaganadu, the birthplace of Kaveri, paying tributes as our vassals. Even Cheranadu, which had a history of never submitting to others, acknowledges our suzerainty. Our glorious tiger flag flutters in all these countries, proclaiming our superiority. By rights, Iram in the south, Vengi and Retai Mandalam in the north, ought to have fallen to their knees before our onslaught. As to why they have not? Surely my friends here are aware of the reasons. Indeed, there are only two. One is Aditya Garigalar, the Madanda Nayagar of the Northern Chora forces. The other is his young brother, the commander of the Southern armies, Arul Moriwarmar. Mahavarayar speaks the truth. All the kings I knew favored time honored methods of choosing their generals or commanders warriors who had excelled in wars and sported their scars proudly with years of experience at their backs were usually deemed most suitable to lead armies such was the custom in our empire too for the last hundred years but now now we have the crown prince quartered with vast armies in the north supposed to reap victories against Vengi and Rettai Mandaram and what does he do instead? ...squats on his hindquarters in Kanji, building a palace of gold. I ask you, respected members of this gathering, scions of Tamaragam's oldest and most valiant families... ...which of the rulers of this land has ever built himself a golden palace? Not even Parandaga Chakravarti, who vanquished Madurai, Iram, and now resides in resplendent glory in the heavenly abode of Kailasam, ever wished such an extravagant residence for himself. What he did accomplish was to present the Chidambaram temple with a roof of gold. But witness, if you please, the lofty aims of our revered Crown Prince. Apparently, the hoary palaces of the Pallava emperors are not quite suited to the status of the heir to the throne. He builds a palace of gold and embeds diamonds and precious stones into its walls. Not a single measly copper coin of the treasures he carried away from Nulambampadi, Gangapadi or Kodag has made its way to the Chora royal treasury. The... The golden palace is complete then? I have reliable information from my spies that work is indeed at an end. Sundarachorar has received quite a few missives from our prince as well. Apparently, his beloved and dutiful firstborn wishes his father to reside in his obscenely opulent edifice for a while. Is the Maharaja to stay in Kanchi? asked a worried voice. Never fear. My trusted brother and I, together, shall make sure that such an eventuality will never come to pass. None can enter the Tanjay fort without our express approval, seek an audience with the king or present any kind of ole to him. I have in fact, made sure that two or three such palm leaves have been successfully intercepted. Ah, long live Paduwe Praise be to his strategies. ...rose several voices in a shout. May his valour rise to greater heights. Truly, you are a Chanakya among us. There is more, my friends. If you thought the crown prince of his royal mind... ...wait until you listen to the antics of Prince Arul sent to fight in Ilangai. Reflect, if you please, on the methods of waging war on our own experiences thus far and on traditions that have been in place for a hundred years. Should we ever march into an enemy's land, our armies seize what food they can from the surrounding areas. Our rewards are the loot plundered from their treasuries and they are the chief source of payment to our soldiers. The surplus must be transferred to the royal treasury in the capital. But listen to Prince Arunmuri high-flown sentiments if you please. He believes that plundering conquered lands is a despicable act and wishes for food to be sent from Tamilagam. The good God above knows that I have sent more than 10 shipments of grains and pulses. What idiocy is this? Such foolishness! Rose outraged voices. Such things have never been heard of. Why must we put up with this injustice? Do but listen to Arulmori Vermar's odd explanation for his outlandish conduct. He refuses to seize local sources as that would lead to discontentment and misery among the populace. Our battle he believes is with Iram's rulers. The people should not be made to suffer for his sake. Once he has vanquished them and their armies, he would much prefer to secure their approval and happiness before he establishes his rule over them. I have seen and heard many unnatural things in battle, but to acquire the goodwill of the people about to be invaded? Mumbled one member of the gathering, disbelief evident in his voice. What does he wish us to do? Fall at their feet? Witness the result of these harebrained tactics. Both our Princes have ensured that the Treasury and Granaries are almost empty and I am placed in the uncomfortable position of heaping taxes on you to make good the deficit. Such is my duty after all and if it were not for the fact that the Empire's fate weighs heavily on my conscience, I would have resigned this revolting post years ago. Never! Never! The Padvur king is the only reason the empire has not crumbled into dust by now. Your iron will and conscience ensures our protection. But have you not sought an audience with the king regarding such pressing concerns? A thousand times I have tried, only to be repulsed categorically. Should I ever require his majesty's advice, I am, if you please, supposed to bow down to the superior guidance of Periyapirati or Ilayapirati. I tell you, the king has lost the will or ability to think for himself. At no moment does he seek our opinions in vital matters. His beloved Symbian Mahadevi stands in the role of a mentor. Her words are as holy as the Vedas to him. That or he wishes us to seek the opinion of his beloved daughter Kundavai. He believes her understanding to be most superior and capable of addressing all our concerns. I and other ministers who have grown grey in our service are expected to stand at attention in front of this chit of a girl. A sheltered girl whose dainty feet have not stepped beyond Kollidam in the north and river Kudamurutti in the south and beg her precious indulgence. Have you ever heard of women being allowed such free reign in matters of state in any kingdom? How long do you expect me to bear such insult to my name and fame? But there is a way out. You could come to a unanimous decision and demand my resignation. I should be very glad to free myself from these stupid affairs and consign myself to my home. Never! The Padavur king must not even think to utter such terrible words. Sambho called out. The Chora empire stands on the shoulders of thousands of warriors strengthened by the blood of four generations of our men. Nothing will induce us to see it ground into dust in our lifetime. My friends and compatriots. I rest my case. Finished Padavetarir. Our empire is now governed by females. We have a veritable Ali Rajam on our hands. How do we rectify this terrible state of affairs? He paused. What do we do? Hidden meanings and explanations Kodag, today's Kurg in Karnataka. Ali Rajam, said to be a legend in the Mahabharata. Ali was a Pandyan queen who harboured such hatred for men that every single official in her kingdom, administrative or otherwise, was a woman. Men, it is said, were little more than playthings in her rule and she treated them with contempt. Until, of course, her nemesis arrived in the form of Arjuna, the most macho of the Pandava brothers who subjugated her and made her a true woman. The tale was all the rage. Retold in street plays and theatres among the general populace. The Alli Kadai and Alli Arasani Malai were and are popular folk versions. Iram Ilangai. Today's Sri Lanka.